and welcome to the Super Colorful Original Telecommunicated Transmission, otherwise known as Scottcast. Today, we've got fan favorite Ian Dixon. That's right. Ian, how great is literature? The best. Isn't it the best thing? Like, if is there any other art form that has been so responsible for civilization and everything that's right with the world, other than literature? Is there any other, like, this film? Is film just a facsimile of literature? Facsimile? Yeah. Uh, uh, in some ways, I suppose. I mean, film's relatively new to the game here in the last hundred years or so. Yeah. A little more than that. but So, like, it's primitive, pretty yeah. much. It's a lot. had books for thousands of years. For forever, we've had the written word. Yeah. You know, even before we had the written word, we had pictures of the written word that were trying to be- become the written word. Mm-hmm. So even painting is pretty much all it's been trying to do is become literature. And literature is one of the greatest things we have today. And I just wanted to open up with that thought because today's podcast is themed after literature. This is a literature-themed podcast right now. Yeah, The Scottcast is all about it's all about writing. It's all about poets. It's all about wordplay, but not puns. Mm. Puns don't count as literature. Okay. I'm not a fan of puns. Well, I, I enjoy a good pun every now and then. Like, it's got to be a good pun, though. It's hard to come by. What's the criteria for a good pun? Uh, I, I hadn't prepared thoughts about that. I don't know. Like, you know it when you hear it. I mean, you know bad puns. Right. Like, but most puns are like to me are bad puns because it's mm-hmm. even even if the wordplay is excellent, it's still like the comment. All it is is just is just a mismatch of words. It's, it doesn't really advance any ideas. Not like literature or film. Yeah, it's just it's it's just oh, little bit of wordplay that means nothing. I don't have any response to that. No response to that. You know, no response to pun bashing. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying. I think I'm just trying to stoke the ire of Sneaky D mm. from afar. He wasn't able to make it today because it's snowing. Yeah, it's pretty nasty out there. Snowy Hamtramck. Yeah, snowy, sunny Hamtramck, Michigan. You you drove here in your in, in your Ford Focus. Mm-hmm. How was how was the roads? Was it? They were pretty shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was it an adventure getting here? I mean, I'm I'm used to it. I kind of learned to drive and shit. So. Yeah, yeah. You drive. You drive daily, but this is like the first snow of of Michigan's twenty nineteen. True, really of the winter, the entire winter time, pretty much. I mean, we got like little dustings, but nothing like nothing that fucked the roads up. So I have this. I follow these people on Instagram, and there's this one person who walks dogs for a living, mm-hmm. and it was like fall, like last fall, before any snow happened. And she was walking a dog, and she stumbled upon like a patch of snow that that's been melting for like ever. Mm-hmm. And it's fall time, and there hasn't been any snow at all. And she took a picture of it and was like, "What the fuck is happening? This is a glitch in the matrix." And to this day, I just feel puzzled about it. Mm. Like I'm like, did she really document um, some sort of glitch in our system or or life? 
is is like is it it's it's simulation this world is. So did she actually find a glitch? Maybe. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we have email bag. Good. Who's it from? Uh someone who signed their name. Uh cliche to Hemingway. Mm. And it's actually addressed to you. Oh. It says, Dear fan favorite Ian Dixon, in a world of platitudes and superfluity, is originality a mere dream? Allow me to pontificate. I'm a novelist, well, an aspiring novelist. In truth, I'm stuck on the first page of my first rough draft, but in thought form, I assure you, odyssey-length epics have unfolded within my cerebrum. Tales of knights and windmills, boats and whales, orphans and porridge, tennis courts and VHS tapes. And therein lies my problem. At best, my ideas are commonplace. I once daydreamed up a plot during an entire summer of my parents' co- at, an entire summer at my parents' cottage home in the Hamptons, only to have my girlfriend Angela gently expose to me the truth that I had thought up the first two seasons of the television show Lost. Angela knows how fragile I am. And although it was harsh news, I'm glad she told me before my fingers hit the typewriter. That's right. I use a vintage Remington typewriter. Mm. Or rather, I will use one when I start to come up with original ideas. Ian, I take you for a sound man of solid wisdom, an appreciator of fine art and whiskey. I like to think of myself of the same caliber. Could you offer some advice to an eager scribe so that my first novella might come to fruition before I'm an aged, ineffectual ghost. Mm. Help me lean my mark in history, or I could remain an already told forethought. With humble regards, cliche to Hemingway. Mm-hmm. So that was detailed. I think this person... So they want my advice on how to be original? Yeah. Do you see the flaw in that? <laughs> no, I don't see the flaw in that. Asking someone else to tell you how to be original? Oh, oh. now I do. Well, but also, that's solid advice right there. Pointing out the flaw in that thinking. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know that how it depends how we define originality, I guess. Because everything that you uh, conceive of or perceive is filtered through your experiences Mm -hmm. and the things you've been exposed to. So, I mean, you may have uh, a new take on an idea, but it's an idea that you've been exposed to through other people's thoughts and works and whatnot. I I don't know. So you're saying that... I'm thinking don't worry so much about being uh, completely original. Just do you. Yeah? If you are a fan of fine whiskey, as I think he alluded to. Yeah. um, Start with that. Read Hemingway. about whiskey? Hemingway was, uh, so he was get a drunk. drunk. Are you just telling him this person to get drunk? Yeah. Oh, okay. Get drunk. Because you're, you're, uh, you're tearing away those filters. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And that's why I, I'm really a fan of uh, like surrealism mm-hmm. because it's all about digging into that subconscious and that dream imagery and that's peeling away the the filters that we use to protect ourselves from our darkest places. Ooh. I had a fucked up dream last night, actually. Yeah? You Tell me about it. Um, I don't remember 
the entire thing. The part that sticks out was uh, I was with my family at dinner, mm -hmm. and it was like some fancy ass kind of new agey restaurant. Mm -hmm. And they brought out this pig, a pig, yeah, we were like, with an oh, apple in its mouth. We wanna we wanna have the the pork today, and they brought out like a a giant ass pig, like a, a live pig. Yes. Oh, but it was like. People had taken portions from it. Um, like it didn't have a face. I mean, it did, but it was like there was no flesh on it. What? And it was just like this happy little pig, and he was, was snorting happy. at you. And he was like, without and, a face? Yeah. And they were like, so what part do you want? And I was like, uh. <laughs> oh my Lord. Actually, we're going to pass on the pig today. Bronwyn's like committing to more vegan lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Is this some sort of guilt? I think maybe that was what that was. Oh my! She I mean, had like a, a fancy photo shoot with with her goat friends at the barn sanctuary. Yeah, and they were like just the happiest little goats. They were they were snuggling and nuzzling on her. Yeah, I saw those photos. Yeah, and uh, maybe I felt bad about the meat I consume. Not that I'm like really all that huge on pork, even. Right, but like that for some reason, like yeah, just that—that's the image that came to your mind. Yeah, you know. So maybe I could write a short story about that. It's probably not super, right, original, but that was uh, like, what would you do? It was the unfettered workings of my mind. Right. Yeah, make a short story where it's just like a, you build up the tension and stuff mm -hmm. like that until like the big reveal of this like. Uh, and that was that was part of it was like it kind of shrouded itself in its own like hanging flesh so you couldn't tell that the face was off until they like pulled back the the meat slab that was like attached to it some other way okay and then it was just like this it looked like a zombie it was like the eye was hanging out and it was just all this my lord no one ate the eye it was pretty brutal wow that's terrible that's a great dream. But it was still like love and life. It was like, hey. Well, that's that's good. Do you want some of my meats? So I think, I don't know, maybe, I think this is more like an, the apologist in you. Like, maybe. Like, it's, this is your subconscious. Like, like, I should, this poor pig, I should just put it out of its misery and. But there is no misery. The pig doesn't have misery. Well. It was happy. But I mean, if, you, if you've seen this pig, you'd be like, oh, Jesus, kill that thing. Right. But like the pig itself was expressing joy, you're like it was, specifically saying. It was looking for affection. Oh, it was looking for okay. Mm -hmm. It was it was so desperate for affection that even though it was mutilated beyond mm -hmm. repair, it, it it still clung to people. Yeah. Like a desperate half eaten pig. Wow. So I hope that cheers up your Saturday afternoon. <laughs> it does actually. That's nice. You know. It brings up dreams and stuff that I've had uh, about that kind of similar topic. Mm -hmm. And how it's always, it's always like the light, you're, you're eating a live animal, right? Like yeah. that's how that, like, that dream seems to manifest. Because we're really disconnected from where our food comes from, right? Mm -hmm. You don't ever see the slaughter and uh, even like our vegetables, you buy them all prepackaged and you don't know what it's like to. You don't know to nurture a seed to yeah. It's a lot of work goes into that. Yeah, a lot of work, a lot of 
a, a lot a lot of things that you wouldn't be able to imagine have to happen mm-hmm. to get the scale of food that we're producing. I mean, if there's anything modern man's really good at, it's producing food at a large scale. Yeah. Then there's also the question of like, we're so wasteful, and if this stuff's being produced and we're not using it, like, what does that say about us? Are we just killing pigs for no reason? And just let the meat rot off their corpses. And that's why you saw a half-eaten pig? I was like, ah, oh, piggy, I can't put you to waste, but I can't. I can't do the slaughter myself. That's right. You you, you can't participate very, in animal murder. Very conflicted inside about it. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like, like you know, as far as I've known you, that you've been more... More of like the lousy fair kind of vegetarian where you're like, well, you know, I, I eat mostly vegetarian, but, yeah. uh, but now it seems like you're, there's a shift in your, mm. in your ethics. And then, I mean, like, like you're not manifesting this in a behavioral change. Like, do you like, are you less likely, like if I offered you bacon and eggs right now, would you, would you take it? Yeah. You take it? Because it's already bacon. Okay. I'm not saving a pig by not eating it. Right. If the, It's like, at least the stories we hear about uh, natives, they, they used every part of the animal. They didn't put anything to waste. It was like a, a reverence for these creatures that gave their lives for our sustenance, right? Yeah. And that's... The delicate nature. I like that idea, but that's not how our... Uh, that's not how those industries work these no. days. No. Uh, so it's a weird kind of uh, quandary we find ourselves in. And you'd think we'd be better at it, particularly than them. Particularly better than like uh, Native Americans who could put everything to use. Because we've got technology on our side. We've got mm-hmm. fridges. You know, we've got Tupperware. Yeah. We've got freezers. We've got salt. Stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. we, can, we can totally like save food and meat and stuff like that for a long time and consume it all. But it's also easy to get to that, to put that much effort into saving an old piece of piece of pork from a, from a, from a, from a shepherd's pie you bought one weary winter a day. Mm -hmm. It's absurd to the modern man. Yeah. You know, just as it's absurd to come up with an original idea or to, you know what? You know what? The more absurd thing with that, just to bring it back to the letter a little mm-hmm. bit, and kind of relating it to this, and this laziness is, and this bountiful, this, like there's a laziness that comes with the bounty, mm-hmm. like, like on a, like coming up with an original idea is difficult because there's so many ideas out there. If you Google it, you're gonna find one, right? So, I think we might have found one. We're saving it for the end, though. Well, it's not original anymore because I think you can't have it. It's taken. I can't believe that anyone else thought of this before this person did. Yeah, and not Although only apparently that. Apparently, there's a huge market for it. <laughs> yeah, it is well-reviewed <laughs> and uh, definitely popular and definitely original. So maybe we'll refer the letter writer to this author mm-hmm. to really expound it on, on this thing, these, yeah. these thoughts. So your, your dreams write your, write your subconscious. They write the, 
they they write your personality, your thoughts, your being. You're saying like, are they are they a written expression? I think they're they're a window to um, viewing things without all the filters that we have by nature. Do you think I have filters? Everybody's got filters because we've all lived experiences and made sense of those experiences in order to keep going and uh, we're affected by art of other people mm. we incorporate that into our worldview and how okay. we see things um, I think writing from your personal experiences is maybe a, a shot at originality I think we all have unique experiences they may be similar to other people's experiences but no one's been through the exact same shit you've been through or that I've been through. I mean, what's the goal of originality? True. To express yourself. Cause like that's well, what's the goal of literature is you want to reach someone on some level. Right. So it has to be relatable too. You can't just be original for originality's sake. That's absurd. That's true. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. Cause like, what's the point? Like you, you you're just making, it's abstract really. Yeah. It's like, there's no, reason to be original there's no real other than like as like a metric for for am i doing this art right so like that's more like when you're saying i want to be more original you're saying i want to be more accepted which is kind of the opposite of what you really want to do isn't it you shouldn't be striving to be accepted you should be striving to be rejected by most even like uh, think of like jackson pollock and that's like essentially why his art has Values because it was this original idea to sort of deconstruct, and it's just almost random. But you get emotion from the the colors and from the shapes. It's it's more like a it's a deconstruction. It's back to the simple basics, and the basics had always been known: mm-hmm. use of color and shape and patterns. Mm-hmm. But he just did it in a different way that was new. Yeah. More energy. He threw the paint at the yeah. wall. Like a bucket of paint right at the wall. Like, uh, he opened it first. But <laughs> 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 that's originality. Yeah. You're but also a three-year-old could do it. Also a three-year-old. He could. But he didn't. That didn't three-year-old. think about it. Yeah, he was too busy shitting himself and asking for mommy. That's right. Yeah. Asshole. I hate three-year-olds. <laughs> children. No, I'm just kidding. I don't hate all children. But I do hate the stage of life known as childhood. Mm-hmm. Not my own childhood. Like, I'm not trying to reveal, like, some crazy story. Yeah. I have nothing against my childhood or upbringing or anything like that. But as far as getting anything out of a human being... Like, I think we overestimate the value we get out of children. They are mostly a bane on society in the form that they are resource-hungry individuals. Mm -hmm. And what novel thoughts do they really have other than, like, like this unoriginal regurgitation of their own filtered experiences, which let's be honest, is not that acute because they're just children. They, they, they're just, they don't know how to interpret stimulus of life, you know, and like, sure. Some once in a while, a child will say something that is uniquely like prescient or, 
uh, precocious. Mm-hmm. And like you think, oh, what a wise child. But 99% of that time, that kid's a dumbass too. You know? So it's like, I don't talk to anyone under the age of 30 yeah. anymore. I've just eliminated them from my life. Sneaky D's no longer part of this podcast. <laughs> and I don't talk to myself anymore, which mm-hmm. my therapist tells me it's good. It's a good step. Not talking to yourself? Not talking to myself. Mm. You know, in the split personality way. Mm. I'm just kidding. I don't have to even go to a therapist. <laughs> Is talking to yourself a good thing? Yeah. Yeah? Do you talk well, to yourself? Well, I mean, it depends what the conversation's entail <laughs> right <laughs> like like just just like uh conversational like like nothing too crazy but like i'm just being like da, 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 i'm doing this today but but uh i think yeah narrating your own life is normal is normal do you narrate yeah what do you say like you wake up in the morning just be like oh i gotta do this now this is gonna be crappy but i'll get through it it'll be fine you say that to yourself you give yourself a little pep talk kind of yeah before you have to do like daily chores like, oh, dishes again. Fuck me. But it'll be all right. Yeah. I don't do that. No. Maybe I should. Yeah. Like, I, know, like I, I mean, you're, it's like a way of uh, kind of sorting your thoughts. It's true. If you get into these patterns of like negative thinking and this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, then that's, that's kind of what it'll fulfill itself. Everything will suck. Right. But if you can talk it out and be like, I have these things to do. I did that. Good job, me. You did a thing. That's one last <laughs> off the list. It's like going to be things. all right. Yeah. You can do it all. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, yeah. You're celebrating your successes. You're motivating yourself to, to keep going. Wow. This podcast is turning out pretty good. Like like people are going to get ideas and be, they're going to become original artists. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to self-talk their way to success and to glory. You know? This is this this podcast is gonna Master Charles is gonna be the world's greatest whatever he chooses to be after this because <laughs> we're giving him all the tools he needs. Mm. That's the value of Skycast. You well, just got to get drunk, talk to yourself. Oh, getting drunk is that part we, of this. We the, mentioned that that kind of getting rid of those oh, filters. This isn't just one project. No, <laughs> well, I mean, you could do it all <laughs> the same day, probably. This is how Ian Dixon gets through his life. He gets drunk. He it talks sounds to like not good advice, but it'll <laughs> it <really> work out. <laughs> this is what this episode title totally is. Get drunk and talk to yourself. <laughs> People are going to think that I'm just like, I lost all my co-hosts when they see that episode title. <laughs> like, oh no, no one's podcasting with Scott anymore. He wants to really fuck things up. <laughs> Oh my God, that's beautiful advice. You should have your own advice column. Yeah, yeah, you'd be good with it. Mm. Maybe I should turn Scott Cast into Ian Dixon's advice column. I mean, that's kind of what email bags for. That is what email bags need some for. advice. Yeah, I'm gonna start trading in on your expertise. It's gonna be great. Yeah, I like that idea. Finally, Scott Cast had some fucking legs. <laughs> It took us, what, 55 episodes to think that that's the best idea we could do? <laughs> that was the golden fucking content just now. Well, I'm self-congratulating, like you job. told me to. <laughs> 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 oh, my Lord. So we, we're, doing, we're doing a little, little bit about literature today, and that's yeah. the, kind of the base theme that we're 
that we're vaunting from. And I've got a few, I've got, I've got a few uh, things on the list here mm-hmm. that I want to make sure we get to. Uh, we have an infinite jest podcast that's been in the works for like two months. Mm-hmm. And so far nothing has happened, but you did read like 50 pages of it. Didn't you? Did you I'm read like, further? Uh, I'm like 120, 130 pages in. Wow, man. Excellent. So we have one person who's actually doing the reading. Yeah. You know, I don't think Sabelle started yet. Mm. And I don't know if Dave started yet, but they both, they both purchased the book. Okay. So this Infinite Jest podcast produced by Scott Cass is on its way. So if you've ever wanted to get into the nitty gritty of David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest, you know, stay tuned. I'm and I'm sure like we're gonna have like hordes of people just like clamoring at the fucking gate for this one. Yeah. It's gonna be fantastic. People are gonna be like, Oh, I can't wait for their take on the fourteenth chapter, year of the depends adult undergarment where <laughs> where Hal plays tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for their thoughts on that. That's gonna happen. And I feel like we have good, unique perspectives on it. Like, we're creative folk. We're not professional writers, but we have written. Like, for my 27th birthday, I decided I needed to write something. So I wrote So I wrote a little story that's like maybe 4,000 words long. A little short story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all about uh, uh, Lady Gaga being a voodoo priestess mm-hmm. who, who uh, leads me to a sacrifice. And I become sacrificed, and I and and uh, oh, who knows what happens next? I don't want to spoil it for anybody. And so, like, that's like my that's kind of my experience writing. So, like, so I'm trying to like you know bolster my authority on this topic. You you've done some writing. You you told me to mention your underground honor capstone and say the oh, term. Uh, that, well, I didn't explain the story to you, so you maybe didn't. you're. Giving me more credit than I deserve for things. Atomic Rooster. You're an accomplished yeah. poet. Hold on. Um, I'm trying to remember that day. <laughs> Tell me, like, the weather. Was it a hot day? I'm trying to remember the day that I texted you drunkenly. Oh, okay. Uh, hold on. <laughs> I, I told you everything you told me to say. <laughs> <laughs> So this is... <laughs> I got to get back in my mindset there. Hold on. Atomic I was listening Rooster. to Atomic Rooster and it brought up these thoughts. Oh, the Atomic Rooster is a band. It's a band. Okay. Um, I said the theme was going to be like poetry. Yeah. So I was listening to like some of their um, kind of instrumental stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is this poetry? I'd also been drinking heavily. Um, and I th- it it wasn't like good music per se but there was something about it It had a lot of feeling it brought feelings up and when i was doing my honors capstone course for my undergrad degree um it was i don't really remember what the theme was but it was we did a lot of like kind of um art critiquing and we went we went and saw madame butterfly at the opera house and we were talking a lot about like art and performance and how that speaks to social norms or whatever and i was uh 
I don't know what the word I want is pretentious or pretentious. <laughs> I was pretentious, <laughs> ambitious, maybe. I think that all describes the Infinite Jest podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I did a compare and contrast, and I I was comparing different medias, mediums. I did a Salvador Dali painting and a song by the Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, which is kind of like an avant-garde rock sort of outfit. What was the name? Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. I like that name. Yeah. Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. It really flows. Yeah. So you were saying how, how literature is kind of the, the most supreme form of art. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of uh, posturing that maybe, uh, I don't know what I was posturing, that all these forms of art are valid in their own rights and they can speak to the same themes. Um, I did have a hard time comparing, well, not comparing, but it's hard to judge a piece of music versus a piece of literature versus a piece of visual art, right? Yeah. Because there's sort of different components, but they can all use imagery the same. You know, yeah, it's it's like apples and oranges, but at the same time, I think that's like that's the job of a human being is mm-hmm. to compare apples and oranges. Because sometimes it's not about comparing two different apples. It's not comparing about two different oranges. Yeah, it's comparing apples, oranges, and a chocolate bar. You know, <laughs> there you go. So I was trying to get all existential and like, what is literature? What is poetry? What is mm-hmm. life? What is it all? <laughs> wait, wait. And then that's that's, what a, that, that, that's the limit of the thought? I don't know. That's what happens when I get oh, okay. intoxicated and listen you to You didn't come up with any Prague. any answers to these questions while you were intoxicated listening to Prague? Uh, no. No? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a, this is a well that Sorry, I, once in a while has gold. I left you hanging that time. It's okay. I mean, last time you got intoxicated listening to Prague was... Uh, a shovel that you gift, True. which led to a very pinnacle Scottcast episode. See, <clears throat> where we decided originality. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. You get drunk and listen to Prague and talk to yourself. Yeah, once in a while you'll say something. Once in a while, make sure you have a friend or a podcast that can record those thoughts so that you can remember them later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think I think I need to start encouraging us to get drunk and text each other more. Yeah. For the sake of the pod, just like alone at home and it's night, get intoxicated and start texting. Just at at nauseam, at at will. Yeah, really, really let that inner critic, you know, take the night off. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna. Then that's the essence of creativity, which is the essence of writing. And that's all Scottcast is. People don't understand it, but like Scottcast is writing live. You yeah. know, that's what it is. We're writing something at the time we're doing it. There you go. It's live writing. And that's why we're so great at talking about literature. That's why. This- <laughs> <laughs> we haven't mentioned any actual literature yet. <laughs> oh, that's true. But here's the deal. We have something fantastic for you guys. Some fantastic actual literature. Uh Sent to me. Was this during your Prague listening? Or no, was this, this was later. Um, Bronwyn actually brought this to my attention. Okay, so why was Bronwyn looking at this? A friend of hers who she's actually doing the, the ladies weekend with uh, 
for some reason was aware of this and told showed Bronwyn and Bronwyn was like, Oh my God, you need to see this. This is ridiculous. And then I texted it to you and then you were silent for like two days. And I was like, Oh, what is he thinking about it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm reading it. (laughs) Like we're not friends anymore because I sent this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it did require processing. And like, that's, that's my weakness when it comes to the text message machine. Yeah. Is that like people will send me something and I'll read it and I'll think about it. And I'll like think about a reply and then I'll go about my day because I'm like, mm, I need to think more about this. And then I'll go about <laughs> my day. And I'll completely forgot to ever actually respond. Mm-hmm. But let's consider this my response. We're talking, of course, about uh, a s- Dr. Chuck Tingle mm-hmm. and his Space Raptor Butt Trilogy. You can purchase this uh, on Amazon. Kindle, $6, paperback, 7 I get the paperback. Yeah. I get the paperback for a trilogy. It's like three books in one. Three books in one. It's features a. It features um, a, a a cover, a book cover, and let me describe. There is a man who looks uh, definitely like he, he's bare chested. He is athletic. He's glistening. I'd say glistening, yeah. He's definitely glistening. He's got a look on his face of concern. He's looking down and to the right, and his brow is furrowed. And and his and his he's got like a kind of a grimace about his smile. Mm-hmm. On the lower left hand corner, there's a smarmy, evil looking man in a suit. And the only thing that's really cluing me in that he's evil looking is that he's in a suit. On the upper left, we have um, either a Padawan or someone who's into boxing, wearing a hood with, that's covering their face in shade. And the upper right, we have some sort of gizmo. Looks like a, a space vessel. A space vessel. Uh, and the bottom right, we have an astronaut wearing an orange jumpsuit with a Velociraptor head. Mm-hmm. Space Raptor Butt Trilogy by Chuck Tingle from Hugo-nominated author Chuck Tingle. What's the Hugo Award? I feel like that's important. That's the most prestigious honor in science fiction. Really? According to the description. Oh. <laughs> we might want to verify that. I mean, yeah, it says the Hugo Awards are a set of literary awards given annually <clears throat> for the best science fiction or fantasy works and achievements of the previous year. And this is the winner of a Hugo Award, Space Raptor Butt Trilogy. It's got 23 reviews, mm-hmm. four and a half stars. Very good. Very good reviews. Yeah. If you want a taste, you might uh, go to audibletrial.com forward slash Scottcast. Oh, there's an Audible book. I don't. I mean, I assume so. There's. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's an Audible book, free with a trial at audibletrial.com forward slash Scottcast. There you go. Help support the podcast and listen to Chuck Tingle's uh, fantastic literary work. I, I I got distracted by his bio. Let me read his bio. Hugo Award nominee. Oh, just nominated. 
Dr. Chuck Tingle is an erotic author and Taekwondo grandmaster from Billings, Montana. After receiving his PhD at DeVry University in holistic massage. Oh. I didn't know you could get a PhD in holistic massage. I didn't either. I mean. DeVry University, that's like one of those online schools. Is that? He found himself fascinated by all things sensual leading to the creation of The Tingler. A story so blissfully erotic that it cannot be experienced without listening to sharp tingles on the spine. Chuck's hobbies include backpacking, checkers, and sport. Singular sport? Mm-hmm. Mm. He likes to sport. I wonder which one. I'm probably all of them if he's going to go for that. I mean, he's an award-winning author. But then it would be plural, wouldn't it? I think... I There's think, a very particular sport he's into. I think when you like all the sports, yeah. then... Then you then you become a fan of sporting itself, mm. and sporting can be covered with the singular sport. I like to sport. Okay, you know, which that signals to people that hey, you want to play hockey, curling, uh, bowling, um, uh, football, baseball, w- basketball, whatever ball you want to do that. I'm down for it. Okay, because I like to sport. So he's an active guy. Yeah, he likes the sport. So, but it's got great reviews. Let me read some reviews. Um, let me see here. Five stars from Angelius Peters. Five stars from December 7th, 2016, a verified purchaser. 13 people found this review helpful. And it says, This book was exactly as I expected. I wanted hardcore raptor on man scenes, and I got them. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. Uh, from L Penguin K, five stars, December 30th, 2017. So it stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. At least one year's worth. Yeah. Changed my girlfriends in my life. I bought this after seeing many stories online about how funny these are. I wanted my girlfriend and I to read it together for a good laugh. What a surprise for us to how great these stories are. That's what it says. Okay. Clever with twists and turns and saucy romance you would expect from the cover that we just described. My girlfriend stated at one point, I didn't expect there to actually be world building in a good story. That's what you want to hear in a review of your book. I didn't expect there to be a story in this. Well... Reading this book aloud to each other brought tons of laughs and expanded our world experiences. We can laugh and talk about much more risque and taboo topics than we were able to before this novel. Now, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Do you think books like Chuck Tingle's Space Raptor Butt Trilogy, um, do you think that book, that, that there's, it does actually serve a very utilitarian purpose in society? It actually gets people uh, closer together? I can see how that would be the case. Yeah, like it uses humor. Because who would ever talk about Raptor on Man action? Right. And then when you're when you've crossed that boundary, like what's what's left to be afraid of talking about? Exactly. Like let's say you you come from a kind of like a really conservative background, and you yeah. just don't like talking about getting freaky. Mm-hmm. But you know you're in a relationship, and and. Part of being in a relationship, and that is that's what the kind of topic you talk about. Yeah. So, 
How do you break that barrier? I've always been an advocate of complete flooding immersion in any given topic if you're feeling scared or put off. Mm -hmm. And talking about uh, dinosaurs having sex, homoerotic sex with men in space, I mean, you're going to cover all the topics that and more that you'd ever need to cover in a relationship sense. Yeah. So just by being versed in this language and immersed, immersed, immersioned, immersed, immersed in these scenes, I could very well see this improving somebody's life, you know, making them more worldly, more cultured. Absolutely. Chuck Tingle, Space Raptor Butt Trilogy. You were mentioning uh, that in in rewatching the Lord of the Rings that you kind of got the B movie vibe and that you were feeling you were sort of feeling it. Yeah, I could see the. I and see I, the... I think that's kind of what I get from B movies too. Is like it crosses these boundaries that people are usually uncomfortable with. But like, if that's a normal thing, then everything's like everything is possible all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it it brings it brings a certain artificial standard that's not needed down. Mhm. It's no more taboos. It's all free game. Yeah, cuz if you can watch if you can watch someone shove like a pole up a chicken man's ass and have them explode, you can watch anything. That's right. You really expand your horizons very quickly with that and you start to read into things a little bit more, but like but also with a more open mind. It's mind opening. Absolutely. And that's what we try to do here at Scottcast. That's what we try to do here with these emails. That's what we try to do here with these literary reviews. So we try to open people's minds to what's better in life. To what's greater. To all that exists. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of derailed you. You were you were reading uh huh? synopses and reviews and things. Oh that's right. I was I was reading a lot out of the Chuck Tingle, because I, I got a kick out of everything about it. I, did, I have not purchased it yet, but like at $7 for the paperback, like... I am actually surprised that it's in physical form. It is in physical form. I thought it was literally just like a Word document that they send you. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I could see it being a Word document. But no, yeah, you can get a paperback for six ninety nine. That's fantastic. And now I think about it, I actually had... A twenty-five dollar gift card from my from my sister. I'll, I'll send her. <laughs> send her a copy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy one for myself and send her a copy. <laughs> That's great. That's exactly what I need. But yeah, that that's a fantastic. That is a fantastic. Uh, that's the that's the kind of thing I want to see more in life. That's the. Mm-hmm. I want to see more people taking creative leaps. Yeah. You know, it's it's what's needed in this life. It's how things get better. Absolutely. You know? Like building an underground society. Yeah, that's a creative leap. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk has my respect for his ability to leap creatively, and I think I should personally do better than him. I can't do all the things he does, you know, mm-hmm. the science. But... Well, there's financial constraints. And the financial constraints. But there's, you know, recent innovations and 
science and financial constraints. Have you gotten around to uh, messing around with that CRISPR kit yet? Exactly. <laughs> I haven't gotten around to messing with it yet. You should make a pig that like regenerates flesh really fast so that we can eat off it without killing it. Yeah, we just it just lives a life where it's constantly stabbed. <laughs> Is that very humanitarian of you? I think you need a the one in my dream was so it was so happy though. Because you said it was happy because it was starved for attention. Well it was uh, and getting meat cut off. I think of it. if you snuggle it and just Maybe it's like sloughs off. What would you it rub your? What, what what would you snuggle against? Like the gaping wound of its face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. I'm saying, if you can engineer a pig that like sloughs off large pieces of flesh that are edible, where it's not painful to it, but it's just like, boom, kicking out pork bellies, and it just kind of falls off like dead skin. And then you got a big old pork belly that you can make delicious food out of. And then you can like snuggle it and it would be so happy. So basically you're you're trying to turn a pig into a tree. Yeah. Like a like a like a like a bacon tree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can see this happening. We'll consult with Sneaky D. I think he knows all about this shit. I think the thing to do would be instead Maybe of, we need some plant DNA in there. That's what we need to do is we need to take a tr- start. We don't start with the pig. We start with the tree. Mm-hmm. That's right. We're going to get an apple tree and we're going to take whatever, whatever pig belly is made of, you know, and we're going to make those apples full of pig belly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then you just pick an apple and it's just raw bacon in your arm, in your hand. seems like we would need a specific kind of soil for that. Yeah, Applewood. They have Applewood bacon. They do. So, like, it would be, like, the same thing. Like, you wouldn't even have to change the packaging. There you go. And it's completely humane because it's just garish body parts growing from a tree. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's like sounds like something from a Stephen King novel. Yeah. Like, you, like, walk into this farm and all all, all the trees are filled with raw body parts just growing out of growing out of the wood mm-hmm. like oh but delicious at the same time and humane now that is a story idea and then we could write an erotic novel about people who love flesh trees yeah yeah and a tree hugger oh jesus like like what else would we put on the tree with the crisper <laughs> kit like bacon in the leaves and something else at the trunk that's disgusting I'm just saying. But totally plausible. Completely plausible. It's 100% possible. Pretty plausible. That's yeah. if, if someone can make a tree that grows bacon out of its apples, someone can also make a tree that you can have intercourse with. Yeah. It's just common sense. <laughs> All right, so what did we learn today on this here podcast? What did we learn? We learned a lot. We did a lot of... We had a lot of podcasting here. We we we, we learned how to become original. Mm-hmm. We learned how to talk through your day mm-hmm. and motivate yourself with little notes of encouragement. Yeah, and we learned and we learned that bacon comes from trees that you can have sex with. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now that is a farming job that's going to have no problem filling vacancies. <laughs> no problem at all. That's the only farming job where hiring labor is cheaper than using mass machines. Mm-hmm. So it's going to also fix the carbon monoxide situation in the air. Yeah. The greenhouse gases. Um, the ability to have sex with bacon trees. Yeah. Wow. We kind of solved all the world's ills in one podcast. We kind of did. And we kind of did it with a very lousy fair attitude. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> all right. From the super colorful original telecommunicated transmission, otherwise known as Scottcast, I'm here with fan favorite Ian Dixon, and we bid thee adieu. See you later, Scottcastigators. Oh, yeah. <laughs>